You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. All right. Turn with me to uh, the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 4. We, we started a series last week uh, dealing with... Uh, what I believe is really the only temptation. I believe that all temptations, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points uh, that we are, so we couldn't say, you know, it says that we have a high priest that has gone through what we've gone through. I believe all the points or all the temptations that we go through in the body of Christ all narrow down to one temptation. Now, that's the same temptation that Jesus went through in Matthew chapter 4. And that's where we're going to start reading this morning, and we're going to pick up where we left off. But in Matthew chapter 4 is the story, actually starts in chapter 3, of Jesus being, uh, He's hearing for the first time the voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4 it says, And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want you to understand that there, there's so much in this. We could talk about this for just uh, years, 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 and years. Matter of fact, our whole ministry was founded, I believe, when, when we got this revelation of this principle, I think that's when, for me, ministry began. I used to just teach. I used to just pass on information. You know what I mean by passing on information? No? Yes? I mean, you hear something, you pass it on? You know, but I heard this. I heard this. I didn't. I wasn't told this. I heard this. Matter of fact, it was last week we talked about how Eve did not hear the word from God about not eating of the tree. She was what? Told it. Notice that the devil didn't come and deceive Adam. The devil came and deceived Eve. Why did the devil come and deceive Eve? Because she wasn't there when God told Adam not to eat. So Adam, then God opened up and created Eve. So Eve's now on the scene, but she wasn't there when Adam heard. Notice Adam, you know, you have something, there's something about you when you hear for yourself the Word of God versus when you're told the Word of God. Most children live their life being told by their parents the Word. They have a relationship they have a relationship with God through their parents. And they're told. And until they come to a place, in, and, and adults are this way too. Some adults have never even ever heard the word themselves. They're just leaning back on what they've been told of the word. But I tell you, it's a powerful thing to hear. And that's what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 3. He heard for the first time the exhortation which called him son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And notice that what's really cool about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus was led out by the devil. To, uh, he was led out by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And notice when the tempter came, the tempter didn't come on the first day. Did you see that? The tempter didn't come on the second day. When did the tempter come? On the 40th day, when he was really hungry. You know what I'm saying? He was really hungry. 
See, the tempter's not going to come to you when everything's going really good. He's not going to challenge the, the word in you when things are going really good because you'll slap him down. You'll rebuke him. You'll cast him out because you're full of the word. When's he come to you? When circumstances hadn't been the way that maybe we think they should have been and things have gotten really hard and we've gotten really stressed and we've really been under a lot of pressure and for 40 days, Jesus, he was really hungry. Then the tempter came. Just when things have just gotten really bad is when we really question who we really are. And that's when Jesus said, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in other words, what Jesus said is, Listen, man's not going to, the essence of man, man's life is not going to be by what he does on the outside, but his essence, his energy, his life, his nourishment is going to come from what he's heard on the inside of who he is. I tell you, this is a powerful truth, powerful truth. If you can get this into your heart about listening and, and having your... We're going to talk about what Jesus actually heard uh, this morning. There were, some, uh, there were three things. First of all, he heard that he was a son. He heard that he was a son. Turn with me to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now this is a reference to a different time, and I'll explain that as we go... Can we turn these lights on right here up to full notch or whatever they call it? It's just, a, I like it dark, but not that dark. All right. Look what it says here in 2 Peter chapter 1. Thank you. It says this, verse, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Now let me stop right here for a second and bring this up. That in Matthew chapter 17, don't turn there, but there is a Matthew chapter 17, and in that passage of Scripture is what is known as the Mount Transfiguration. It's when Jesus called three of His disciples, and His three disciples were Peter, James, and John. And so Jesus, Peter, James, and John went up to a mountain. And the scripture says that Jesus was transformed before them. In other words, there was a glory upon him. There was a radiance. There was a countenance. There was a physical change to the presence of Jesus in front of them. And they heard Jesus receive and hear from heaven again. And in the in, in, in Matthew chapter 17, again, Jesus hears, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. So, Peter, James, and John. Now, who wrote, who wrote the book of First and Second Peter? Peter. So, Peter, in Second Peter, is talking about, at this point, he's giving reference back to Matthew chapter 17, where they saw and where they heard Jesus hear, from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay? So that's the scenario. So let's go on here. In verse 17, that's where it says, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Verse 17, it says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory. Say honor. And say glory. 
when such a voice came from him uh, from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So what this is telling us, it's Peter giving reference to what he saw in Matthew 17 on top of the Mount Transfiguration when he saw Jesus receive. He saw, when he saw, he saw Jesus here, this is my beloved son, and Peter said, we were eyewitnesses that when he heard that, he received honor and glory. See, Jesus received three things. He heard, and when you hear from God that you're a son, you receive your identity from your father. We're not going to take the time to go into our natural DNA and the way we're made. And most of us in here look like one of our parents. Our DNA follows, it goes, you can look back at your great-grandpa, somebody in your family going to look like, you know, wear a beard and stuff, going to look like your great-grandpa. We carry that DNA. We look like, in the natural sense, our parents. But what this is saying is that in that DNA, Jesus heard that he, had the, he was a son of God. And when he had his identity solidified, when he had his identity settled, when, there's, when your identity is questioned, you'll have a problem with what we're fixing to talk about. When you don't know who you are, or if you think you're something less than what God sees you, you will always have a problem with honor and glory. Because the scripture says that Jesus received honor and glory when he heard. See, if you're just told you're a son of God or a child of God and have never heard, see, in my speaking, you can hear God tell you and confirm to you that you're his child. See, some people just hear what I'm saying. Some people will walk out of here going, well, I was told that I was a son of God. I didn't hear. Some people will leave here going, I heard. I was a son of God. See, there's something different about the way you walk when you know whose, whose child you are, who your daddy is. See, when you know, see, the word honor is so cool. Uh, we'll talk about the word identity some more in the weeks to come. But you'll, you get your identity. Once your identity is set, you know, and we can always use that, that analogy of a king and his children. The king's children know who their daddy is, and they really don't worry about what they're going to go eat. They really don't worry about what they're going to dress. They really don't worry about anything because their daddy is the... They know what the scriptures say? It says, what, what sparrow worries about this and what flower worries about this? And, you know, the daisy, you know, you don't... Because they, they know who their king is. See, if we knew who our king is, we'd understand that, that, that everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given to us. We don't have to perform for it. It's ours. It's part of our heritage. And so when Jesus heard who he, is, who he was, the scripture says he received honor and glory. The word honor real simply means value and dignity. The word honor means value and dignity. So let me put it this way. If you don't have any honor or any dignity. Let me explain the difference between honor and dignity. Honor means value. Dignity is what gives you the moral and ethics that back up your value. See, if you know you're valuable, you're not going to lessen yourself. Dignity is not going to lessen yourself to do lesser. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Dignity is going to step in. See, you get your, see, if you know who you are, you're not going to lower yourself. But if you don't know who you are, you're going to try to find yourself. How many, don't, don't raise your hand, but how many people out there trying to find themselves? There's people get out of high school. Well, I don't know who I am or what I am. I'm going to go to college and find myself. How many people ever found themselves in college? How many people found trouble in college? See, I knew who I was when I got out of high school, and I, want, I was a Marine. So I joined up. You know what I'm saying? After uh, several months of trying to find myself, because <laughs> I wasn't for sure. <laughs> See, w when you're not for sure, you're going to experiment. Where do most problems happen in life? When you know what you're supposed to be doing or when you're just experimenting? What's the world tell you to do? Just experiment and find out who you are. I tell you what. Ah, well, we can't even go there. See, the Bible tells you who you are. You're a son and child of God. You don't have to experiment with sex. If you know who you are, you know who you're supposed to be married to. If you know who you are, you know who you're supposed to have sex with. Unless you're just experimenting. And if you're just experimenting, you don't know who you are. So the problem is not getting people not to do certain things. The problem is getting them to realize who they are. That's why it's important for us to know who we are in Christ, that we're a child of God, so our identity, our honor. I tell you what, I, I, I remember my whole shoulders changed. You know, I, I started, when, when you walk in sin, it's just, but when, it's something about, can you imagine yourself being the son of a literal king on earth? I mean, a real king. You know, think about being Prince Henry over in England. Is that his name? I don't know what they're called over there. What? Harry. Harry and William. Yeah, okay. Well, them guys. Think about them guys. You know, you know they, they don't walk around moping. And, listen, they walk. The street, they're theirs. Every street they walk on is theirs. I mean, the shoulders come back, their head gets held high. You know what I'm saying? They got good breeding. They come from fine stock. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can see it in the horses. We went to, uh, what's it called? Um, medieval times. Man, those horses were proud. I mean, oh, they were... That's the way they walked. You mean do that again? They walked with some style. But they were proud of their chest. I mean, the muscle, I mean, like, well, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to imitate a horse no more. They were proud. They were, they were like, they, they came from good breeding. But see, our father, his DNA is in us. We know who our Father is. We can walk proud. We get our, see, we get our honor. 
If, see, you'll find out that in your lifetime you'll only take care of or you'll only respect or you'll only value things that you honor. I guarantee you. Do you find honor in your air conditioning unit in August in Durant, Oklahoma? You can go hungry, but you're going to make sure that sucker's running. Why? Because it has great honor and great value. You take care of what you honor. Husbands, if we would honor our wives, and wives, if we would honor our husbands, you receive nothing from something you don't honor. Jesus was is what in the the story where Jesus went back to his hometown. He's the son of the living God. He's working miracles, raising dead, casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's multiplying the food. The kingdom of heaven is evident about him. And he walks into his own hometown, and uh, nothing happens. Why? Because they didn't honor him. They didn't. They didn't see him for who he was. Excuse me. For who he is at that time they saw him for who he had been oh isn't this the carpenter's son the little boy we once knew walking up and down the street they couldn't get past that they couldn't get past their past to enjoy the present and the future see some of us can't get past our past so we can enjoy the present and the future you need to honor yourself you need to take care of yourself you need to feed and nourish you the things that need nourishment and feeding what happens when you don't take care of yourself you fall apart it doesn't have to be that way only see that's the way it is in the normal in the natural I tell you what, you you take care of what you honor, and the scripture says. And see, there's something about the way you walk and the things you do and the things you expect. I tell you what, do you think Prince William and uh, Prince Harry, you know, when someone hits them, they're thinking they gotta go beat them up? No. Hey, army. You know, I, I don't mean to embarrassing, but you know, if I hit James. Over here, of course, I'm not going to be stupid. <laughs> but if I hit James, he'd probably just knock him out and put him down for just one punch. <laughs> anyway, but if I do hit James, you know, see, I'm not necessarily, well, I am scared of him personally, but even, even if I wasn't scared of him personally, but, but he's got a whole bunch of people behind him called the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> and if they're not big enough, Oklahoma's got someone behind them. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't have any nuclear bombs. So, see, if you want, see, if you see, you walk different when you carry an honor about you. You don't go places you shouldn't go. You understand? You don't do things, people, that you know you shouldn't be doing. Because you know people are watching because of the honor that you carry. 
You don't live less than who you are. And I love, I love the word dignity. And we can get into the word honor. We can make, you can talk about honor for six months. But the word dignity, uh, I tell you, we're, th this is so, so cool. Uh, value and dignity. Dignity is, is really your, your, uh, it's your, it's that place where moral and ethics are birthed. I, uh, I guess I can say it that way. See, mo see, moral and e righteousness is not moral and ethical behavior. What you do is not righteous. Righteousness is right standing with God, and from that comes moral and ethical behavior. Okay? You don't do things that are right. This is called the fruit of righteousness. So righteousness is a position because of who you know you are in Christ. And from that, dignity is developed in you that allows you, not, allows you to walk righteously. That's where your moral and ethical behavior comes from, is from your... If you have no dignity... Isn't that what you hear? Don't you have any dignity? Where's your... When someone's messing up, I can just hear it now. Man, don't you... No, they don't have any dignity. It says not a matter of not having any dignity. They don't have any identity to have dignity. See, if you had identity, you'd have dignity. If you're living a life of no dignity, you're living a life of no identity. The problem isn't trying to get you to do certain things right so it looks like you've got dignity. The problem is getting you to see who, who you are in Christ Jesus so you'll value yourself and walk with all dignity. Walk honorably. The scripture says for us as children of God to walk honorably so that when we speak the word of God, we'll back up what we're speaking. We'll live what we're talking. We'll practice what we're preaching. That's what it means to walk honorably among the Gentiles, to walk honorably in the world, to walk with our head held high, walking with a confidence and a, a positive mental attitude. It's not just a positive mental attitude. It's faith in God. You understand? There's something about walking with faith in God. Everybody's griping and complaining. Oh, the, the world's gone. The world's gone. Oh, the world is. Listen, you're not part of this world. You're part of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. You're not here to establish the stock exchange. You're not in partnership with the world. You're in partnership with God to establish His covenant. Even our giving. Man, there's a whole mindset that changes when you realize that you're part of a kingdom of heaven on this earth and you're not a servant in the kingdom. You're a son in the kingdom. Amen. You're an heir. You're not, I mean, you talk about, I'm in the kingdom. Yeah, but I'm just this little person out here in this little hut. No, you're, you're walking the streets of the kingdom of heaven with authority. You don't have to worry about what you're having for lunch. Somebody's making it for you right now. I, I mean, there's such a mindset when you walk with honor and dignity, knowing who you are in Christ. If you know who you are, no weapon formed against you will. Why? Because you're part of a kingdom that's already disarmed principalities and powers taking away their very weapons you don't have to be fearful of them no more 
Amen? I tell you what, church, we really do need to have an awakening of who we are. I tell you, the scripture says this. It says again, let me, let me explain this in another way. It says in verse 17, For he received from God the Father... I mean, you could just tear this thing apart. It's so cool. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father. There's that relationship. See, it's just not God, but it's Father. You know, nowhere in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is God referred to as Father. They didn't know Him as Father. They knew Him as God. And you'll never hear anybody on this planet say, Why did the Father allow the children over in Africa to die of hunger? You'll never hear it. What will you hear? Why did God allow it? Because people that just have a a relationship with God do not understand the relationship Jesus came to set us into. They still have an old covenant mindset thinking that everything that happens in the negative happens by God's will. So we're not going to talk about that. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. This word glory is so cool. The word glory, the definition of glory is just a vast, vast word. But in its simplicity, when you look at all the different expressions of the word glory, it literally means, in a simple form, if I can put it there, God's view and opinion or the realm of his reality. The realm of his reality, or what is reality to God, which is his view and opinion. How many people know that God views things the way he wants to? In other words, God's view and his opinion is his reality that he lives in. So, in other words, when his glory came into the earth, there was a shaking. Excuse me, let's put it. See, God's glory is what's normal to him. You got that? His reality is what's normal. Is your reality normal to you? See, your reality is what's normal to you. So God's reality is what's normal to God. So His kingdom, when kingdom when a king reigns in a kingdom, the way the king's reality. That's his reality. The way the kingdom is, is his what? His view and opinion. It's his, his reality. It's the way he wants things. Not the way you want things. It's the way he wants it. So now watch this. So whenever the scripture tells us that God invaded earth with glory, or when the scripture says, in the glory of the Lord shone round about them, Talking about the angels and Mary and the shepherds abiding in the field. What happened? It says, what was God's reality or what was normal for God invaded what was normal for us and we were surprised. It got our attention. Nowhere do you see anywhere where glory from heaven came down and people went, uh, I'm used to that. Signs and wonders, people being healed, raised from the dead, is all an example of God's glory invading what's normal. Is it normal for people to raise from the dead? No! It was God's glory, His reality, His view and opinion. Boop! Raised from the dead. 
It's the way God has seen things within His kingdom. Everywhere the word glory is mentioned, it has something to do with God's view and opinion or what His reality is. So when a person hears, when Jesus heard that He was a son well-pleasing to God, and He received in this scripture where it says, honor, value, dignity, and glory, what's the scripture mean? That He received upon Himself God's view and opinion and His reality. See, everywhere the Ark of the Covenant went in the Old Testament was God's reality. There was victory, there was healing. You know, there were, His manifest presence was coming from the Ark of the Covenant. Everywhere Jesus went, when Jesus was on planet earth, was the manifestations of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. He was the manifest presence of God on this earth. He walked in power. He did what he saw his father doing. He, heard, he spoke what he heard his father speaking. He exuded the kingdom of heaven on this earth. Jesus said this, I must go away so the Holy Spirit will come and empower you to be the manifest presence of God on this earth. See, it was in an ark, it was in Jesus, and Jesus said it's better for Him to go away so He could come in His Spirit and dwell in all of us so we could all make an impact for the kingdom of heaven on this earth. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross just to die on a cross for your sins. He wasn't resurrected from the grave just to be resurrected from the grave. He died on the cross and resurrected from the grave so He could leave and come back with a clean vessel and pour His Spirit upon all of us and in all of us so we could carry His manifest presence and establish His kingdom. It's not about getting saved, waiting someday to go there. It's about getting saved and understand who we are in Christ and establishing the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. You don't have to wait. And the only way you're going to be manifest and walk in the power and the presence of God on this planet is understanding who you are. Hearing, not being told. I wish I could tell you. I'm telling you, but I'm hoping you hear. But you got to be told before you hear. That's why the scripture says, how can they believe unless someone preaches? How can they preach unless someone is sent? And when he's sent, he's supposed to be preaching the gospel of peace because it's that word of God. It's the word of God concerning the gospel of peace that's going to energize you in an area of faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word. What word? What word of God? Was it the word of God that was to uh, Jonah? No. See, there were. See, this book. I got enough time to meddle and just get in trouble. This this book. Okay, generically we call it the what? The word of God. But do you realize it is not the Word of God, it is accumulation of many words of God. Can I say that correctly? It is not all-encompassing because Satan speaks in here too. There's quotes from Satan. There's quotes from Paul and Pilate. There's lots of people quoted in here, so this whole thing is not the Word of God. It is generically called the Word of God, but it is accumulation 
of many words of God. And the word of God that was spoken to the Jews back in the Old Covenant is not the same word of God that's going to generate faith in us in the New Covenant. Because there wasn't a kingdom there, and there's a kingdom now. The word that told the people how to live under the Old Covenant is not going to work in you living under the New Covenant. So we have to change the way we think according to the Word of God. The Word of God that you need to be hearing is the Word of God that is peace-orientated. Knowing the, the, the Scripture says, shod, with the, your feet, uh, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to hear about what Jesus did to make peace between us and God so we can stay, approach the throne of grace boldly in the time of need instead of just... Most people don't worship because they're still afraid of God. They're scared to get intimate with God because they're worried about being struck down. We're not seeing ourselves as a son. I love what John Holler said. He said he's never punished his children. Never punished his children. All he's ever done is discipline them. Punishment is payment for something they've done. Discipline is something, is training for the future. So when your children do something wrong, don't punish them, train them not to do it again. There's a difference. One is done out of love. Another one's done out of fear and hate and anger. I tell you what, church, you, you, know, you, you need to add, I tell you what, some of you need to go back to your, some of you need to forgive your parents. For putting you in such bondage. Even if your parents are dead, you need to forgive them. Oh, I hit a nerve there. It might have been my own. Because <laughs> I need to forgive my dad for not caring. He didn't care. I need to forgive him. See, I haven't forgiven my dad. I forgot him. I'm surprised my wife's sitting still right now. She's just over there just being nice and calm. And, you know, but I've forgotten my dad. Some of you have forgotten, tried to forget when you're supposed to forgive. Man, I tell you what, some of us were raised in homes and families. They didn't know no better. They were just raised the way they were raised. Some parents now with your children need to ask them to forgive you for, for punishing them in the past instead of training them, disciplining them. The Bible says a father will discipline his children. The Bible doesn't say a father will punish them. God's not punishing you for what you've done. He says he'll train you in the word. The word will train you. The word will work in you. The Bible says the wrath of man will not cause the righteousness of God to manifest. Won't do it. Won't happen. I tell you what. Getting your identity in Christ Jesus. Knowing who you are. Hearing. Not being told, but hearing.
He said, well, I haven't heard. Guess what? That's what you need to do. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. That's talking to the church, the people in the church. He's standing at the door of the hearts of the people in church knocking. That means he's outside. He might be in your head, but he's not on the inside. Hey, this is where he wants to be. And if anybody opens that door, I'll come in and sup with them and they with me. They'll fellowship. They'll be a koinonia. Holy Spirit, right now, as we spoke in your word, those that want to, I believe, will open the door. They won't celebrate the door. They'll celebrate the koinonia of you coming on the inside and working with us. And may we hear in the area of our heart that we are a child. We are a son and a daughter. Of, we're part of the family of God. That we're well pleased and we're totally accepted and complete in Christ Jesus with all the power of the resurrection available to us. Holy Spirit, we open up our heart and allow you to come in in fullness right now and begin to do your work. We want to hear. We don't want to be told no more. We want to hear what we're being told. We want to hear it. We circumcise. Use the, the word to circumcise our ears and to circumcise our heart, to make our ears sensitive to your word so your heart can receive your word. Holy Ghost, we're not asking you to come down and do something you hadn't already done. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to, to, to manifest in a larger way where you're already at. Be real on the inside right now.